with this being such a historic uh, occasion, was my goal to really have just a brief, few brief words from our alders, uh, who some of the, the men who worked or have worked with uh, the panel's guests, but then really to connect the, the our future generation here with actually the introduction and the bio. So uh, we're going to start with Alderman Stamper, who's going to introduce, uh, say a few words and then introduce our students. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> it is my pleasure to be able to introduce two of the presidents, one is current, but I have a relationship with all four of them. Two of them live in the 15th Automatic District, and uh, all four of them are my mentors. So, the first president that I would like to introduce and have an honor is an outstanding leader in this community. He's, not, he's a mentor as well as a friend, and one of the most beautiful things of friendship is to understand and to be understood. And every time I call him, he has an idea or a, a comeback with something positive for our community. And he always does it with the best, with the community at heart. So I'd like to introduce Alderman Willie Hahn, President, past President. My mentor and my friend, he loves the community, and he loves the 15th Automatic District, just like me. Next, I have the honor of introducing our current president, current leader. In 2014, we came together. That was the beginning. He has kept us together, which is progress. And now we are working together, which is success. And that's under the leadership of our current Common Council President, Ashanti Hamilton. Every day is an issue of the council. Every single day is an issue, a big issue. And he handles it with grace, professionalism, and leadership. Thank you, Alderman Hamilton. Okay, one minute. Which one of you young men am I introducing? Antonio? Nice to meet you, Antonio. Do you want to be a president of the Common Council one day? Yes, sir. Uh, first, I'll be introducing uh, President Ashanti Hamilton. Oh, no. Um, born April 3rd, 1973. Graduated from Marquette University with a degree in English and obtained his law degree from Texas Southern University. Elected to the Common Council in 2004, he served as Common Council President since 2016. Um, <laughs> next will be President Willie L. Hines, born December 18, 1964. <laughs> <laughs> Graduated from Marquette University in 1988, elected to Common Council in 1996, and 2004 was elected Common Council President, serving the longest term for an African American until 2014. And now, Alderman Donald. Thank you, Keith, and good afternoon, everybody. This is really a great gathering. I'm the Alderman for this district, so welcome to the 4th Alderman District. Thank you. I think Keith has. Uh, selected one of the senior members of the firm to give the introduction for some of the senior members uh, on our panel today. Uh, I'll, I'll, first, uh, <laughs> I'll first reference Alderman and Mayor Marvin Pratt. Ladies gentlemen, I mean, a true gentleman who I have known now for probably better than 20 years. I've known him both in his role as an alderman, as common council president, and as a fellow exerciser at the Marquette Rex Place. <laughs> we'll be regularly spend a new hour working on our health and maintaining our good shape, I guess. <laughs> in any event, uh, I, I've, I've known Marvin to be a man of great dignity, of great grace, a true gentleman, 
someone who always rose above the frame and always took the big picture and always was looking out for the best interests of not only Milwaukee in general, but the African-American community in general. So thank you for being here today and thank you for your decades of service to the city of Milwaukee. Thank you. Uh, The next gentleman, Ben Johnson, is uh, probably a very remarkable case because he must have got, they must have had the age of entry to the council at, at 15 or 16 <laughs> because he was first elected in 1971, which is prior to the birth of two, <laughs> of one president and one former common council president. Probably prior to the birth and certainly prior to the adulthood of maybe 30-40% of the folks in this room, he was on the council during a time of tremendous change in Milwaukee that shook the very roots of this community on a great deal of fronts. And it would be fascinating to pick his brain as to what issues were being discussed at the time, what was the temperature of the common council at the time, what were the cross currents, what were people saying. Uh, the 1970s were the period of Milwaukee's greatest decline in population. It was an 11% decline from about 717,000 people to 636,000 people in 1980 census. It was also during the last four or five years of that decade, you began seeing the deindustrialization of Milwaukee, the loss of literally thousands of family supporting manufacturing and industrial jobs that the loss of which continued to plague this community and were a substantial factor in the concentrated poverty we continue to deal with. Uh, ben Johnson was there. He was on the council. He was a decision maker. And his perspective of how that all was going down, and, and oftentimes when you're, when you're in the middle of, of, of great change, you sometimes don't know it. Uh, you really don't know you've been through the eye of the hurricane until you get through the eye to a certain extent. But it would be, I, I, I hope he shares some of his perspective from that time. It's fascinating to have an individual who uh, spans 40 years of history in this community, both in terms of its politics, its policy, its economy, and its uh, race relations. So, Ben, thank you very much for your service. And to provide some. right back into some of those jobs. Uh, in any event, uh, Aaron Cross is going to give a little bio presentation on the two gentlemen I've just discussed. So Aaron, come on up. Aaron is also a member of the Milwaukee Youth Council, so he is well on his way to the Good afternoon. I have the pleasure of presenting President Marvin Pratt. President Marvin Pratt was born on May 26, 1944. President Pratt graduated from Marquette University in 1972 and elected to the Common Council in 1986. In 2000, Mr. Pratt was elected as a Common Council President and served until 2004. Lastly, he was that first African American to serve as mayor for the city of Milwaukee. Next, we have President Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson was born January 31st, 1937. He attended the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He, attend, he attended the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and was elected to the Common Council in 1971 to replace Bell Phillips to represent the 7th Automatic District. In 1976, Ben was elected as Common Council President and served until 1980. Very, he is a very avid Facebook user, President Ben Johnson. Let's give our Alderman and our students a hand. Let's give a hand. I'm going to try to do this, you guys, so uh, send some well wishes for me, but this is really exciting. Um, for me, uh, and just let you know, the impetus was really, I had the opportunity to work for President Hines for three years at um, City Hall, and every day I would come in in the lobby, and those of you are familiar with the City Hall, there's a wall for the Common Council Presidents, and I saw this African-American, distinguished African-American man, and I said, I know this guy, I know this guy, but I don't know 
who Ben Johnson was. And I had the opportunity to talk to um, President Hines about it and said, you know what, at some point, um, I want to get these guys in the room and celebrate their life and celebrate their success and why they are still living. As a saying we have, give people their flowers while I'm still alive. And I just really believe in that and these men deserve that. So I wanted to start, that, start off with that. I'm going to go straight into the, convo, to the, the questions, and I'm going to ask if you guys feel free to take however you feel, and uh, we've got some questions submitted to you, so we can jump right on in. The first question we have is, during your tenure, and this is directed to anyone on the panel here, during your tenure, what accomplishment, initiative, or experience is most significant and or memorable? Anybody want to take that? President Hamilton, you want to take that, or President Hines? <laughs> I defer to the seniors. Yeah, I, I'm on this, 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 is, this is a learning opportunity for all of us, so I'll be defer. Can you repeat the question again? Okay. Can turn this on? Can you hear? Are you on? Am I No, I don't hear him. Where is our button? Yeah, just on. This is the Okay, repeat the question. No problem, Mr. Johnson. During your tenure, what accomplishment, initiative, or experience is most significant and or memorable? I think the most uh, worthy achievement was the establishment of an ethics code for city officials, including uh, staff, staff and elected officials. Mark, uh, Mayor Pratt, do you want to add anything to that for memorable for you, for your team? Well, you know, I made a, I made a list of things to take the truth. You know, I would probably start with residency preference ordinance. It's an ordinance I established that. It was an ordinance that said a certain percentage of workers' hours for the repair of your street alleys and sidewalks, which is the second largest expense you would incur as a property owner in the city of Milwaukee. It would have to be done by people who live in the block grant area. That program, Alderman Hines, uh, President Hines and President Hamilton, has even pushed that program even farther. Now it's 40%. 40% of workers' hours on a number of different projects. In other words, they fine-tuned uh, what was introduced, and it's one of the key programs in the city of Milwaukee. I saw a program called Code Enforcement Intern. It used to be where, I, where you, you looked out at city government and you did not uh, have a lot of African-American folks, or women, in a number of key positions. And one was building inspection of code enforcement. So I said, why not have uh, why not have an intern program where you pay people half what a building inspector would make, i.e. roughly about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars, half of the benefits and so we can and, but we have to get people who live from the block grant area. The first program, uh, we had the first Hispanic um, uh, building inspector in the city of Milwaukee. There were nine, there were 100 people who applied for nine jobs, and it was uh, the other representative number. There were four whites and four uh, uh, four African Americans, and that program is still going. And when I say it's still going, there there have been at least about 60 people who have been hired under that program who are now building inspectors or who work as building inspectors in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, I introduced uh, 9 o'clock closing for for the sale of beer at grocery stores that sell beer. He did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it used to be grocery stores that sold beer that still open at 12 o'clock. And I remember when we first when I first introduced that, you know, there were only two people who spoke in support of it because Miller had a presence here, a big presence. Even Miller sent people down to speak against it because they said it would hurt hurt their sales. One of the reasons why I did that, I wanted to make it uniform with liquor stores. Okay, so liquor stores closed at nine, so grocery stores that sold beer started closing at nine. Uh, humor aside, side note, uh, Alderman Hamilton, President Hamilton and my son are our friends, and my son was saying he was at Marquette partying with some buddies of his and said it got to be bewitching hour, it, it got to be, be close to nine, it was around 10 o'clock, and he said, he and his boy said, hey man, why don't you go get another 12 pack? And he said, no, it's 10 o'clock. Your damn daddy introduces his order, we can't even buy beer. True story. So, but it, I thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, and lastly, I'll just end on this one. 
I served as president of the uh, Greater Milwaukee Convention and Business Bureau. And in doing that time, I pushed for uh, uh, more minority tourism, more minority involvement in the city of Milwaukee relative to, relative to tourism. All too often, you, you know, that's a thriving business. They talk about bringing the Democratic Convention here, talking about, you know, the, what the Bucks Stadium is going to mean. So we have to have, that's an opportunity for, uh, for minorities and women. You usually find a lot of women in, in that area, but you don't find a lot of minority folks in that area. So uh, I think in my chairmanship, I, that, was my, that was a strong push of mine that we have some diversity. I could go on and on driver's license and employability program. That's where people, I read the magazine, Detroit, uh, they said if you pay half the fines that you owe, remember they used to take your driver's license if you got parking tickets? They send you something in the mail, you can't drive. And so a whole lot of young African American men and others, not just African American men, a lot of young people, uh, couldn't get to jobs because they couldn't drive, or if they were driving, they were driving illegally. So I, I introduced that, and when I can say I introduced that, really Vince Bobby, uh, Joan, probably Joan Specky, it's it, uh, Lenore Rosas, a number of people already working on it. I just happened to pass it in my brief tenure, tenure as mayor. So um, it was uh, exciting and positive. Let, let me said by saying that uh, you should recognize the fact that when I was on the council first, women could not sell beer. So Oracle Pitts and myself introduced and got adopted the ordinance that would allow women to sell beer. Not only at that time, women could only serve as waitresses. So we enabled women to be able to sell beer, work behind the bar, and eventually it was expanded so that women could actually obtain a tavern license. So to the degree that uh, Marvin took a little away, Marvin and I enabling a little bit more. So give it the thumb, take it away. Actually, um, I and men and President Hamilton, we talked, and so I'll, I'll go in in, in this area. Uh, my background was economic development, and I worked for the City of Milwaukee Urban League, and it was there that I got my foundation as it pertains to um, what I sought to accomplish when I became um, an alderman and subsequently as I became the council president. And so the most accomplished and significant memory that I had is really all of the economic growth that was occurring um, that I was a part of in, in, within the 15th automatic district. So if you travel from um, North Avenue, from uh, 12th Street, every new building, every new activity, the YMCA, the, the health clinic, um, as we travel on down with Walnut Way, um, and Sharon, Sharon Adams at the time, I remember when she came to Milwaukee, she had boxes in her, in her house, and she and I and Larry sat in that room and said, we can take back this neighborhood, we can take back this, this community. That was about, mm, about 15, 18, 20 years or so ago. And now we see what Walnut Way has become in this community and throughout this country. And as you go on further, you go between 20th and we have the St. Anne Center. I remember working with Tim, Tim Sullivan and Sister, um, Sister, Joan, as Sister Joanne. Um, having gone to the southeast side, bringing that facility to North Avenue. I'm going on a little further uh, with the LIHTC deal. And I can go on and on and on and you look at um, Look at the police station, or on 50th and Lisbon, or when you look at the library, or when you look at the development that's happening with city homes, or look at the development that's happening with Johnson Park, um, and look at uh, North Avenue, CDC, and a variety of other entities. Matter of fact, Kaylin Haywood and Melissa Goins, all of their projects started in partnership with me, with, with myself, and a number of others to deliver um, quality options in a neighborhood that had been abandoned, that had been neglected. So we eliminated the blight, we actualized the potential, built on, brought retail opportunities there, the Jewel Osco on 35th and Monarchy, one of the only full service grocery stores in the entire inner city. Um, capital excluded. <laughs> uh, but when you go south of Capital, that's one of the only full services. And then when you look at the valley, working in partnership with Potawatomi, working in partnership with 
uh, manpower, getting them into the city of Milwaukee, um, working with um, Time Warner Cable and a host of others, the, the past development. And so in the district alone, being involved with about $300 million worth of economic development that added tax bases, that created job opportunities, that began, that brought retail options to a neighborhood that had been neglected. To be able to work in the valley, to be able to work on King Drive with Manpower, and the other ones um, on Center Street, Titonia. Um, and so when I think about my tenure, I think about um, really adding substantive value beyond, um, beyond just the policy aspect, which I'll speak about later, but also recognize the importance of housing too, and what it means to a family. And so I'm just honored to have, have served and been able to add that value. So when I drive back and forth home and go back to work, um, I'm always reminded of the, the partnerships that I've been able to work with um, to achieve many of those goals and accomplishments. Well, y'all, I'm just getting started. <laughs> But I do have a resume. Um, <clears throat> so I'll start, though, with, um, with what Mayor Pratt alluded to with the, with the RPP program, because this, this, it really is one of the uh, proudest pieces of legislation um, that I introduced and championed at the city. Um, because we turned, we turned what he started uh, into a, a community benefits package. And so it was all built around the concept that was started with the residency preference program. So the idea was that in order to have an opportunity to, to replace the loss of manufacturing jobs in the city of Milwaukee, that there had to be a very purposeful connection between connecting residents to, to public works jobs. That's where that idea came from. And so what we wanted to do is expand that beyond public works jobs and include development projects um, as part of this and include any project that the city of Milwaukee was investing a million dollars into that we would produce a benefits package for the entire city of Milwaukee. And one of the reasons why it was most memorable was because of the number of community partners that we kind of brought to the table to advocate on behalf of this community benefits package. And so it included both the RPP, local hiring for businesses, and expansion of the small business enterprise program to include more participation in that. And then aside from the requirements, there were other things, and thank God we had a strong council that was actually willing to make certain things necessary in order to get the project done, but we didn't necessarily have to require it in an ordinance, which was producing uh, mentor-protege uh, requirements on that. So if you have the North End, a lot of the uh, developers that um, President Hines was talking about, they were able to continue to grow because of some of these mentor-protege um, requirements that we had on a lot of other projects and now it became the point where even projects where we didn't even have to um, have the requirement we didn't even have the million dollar uh, contribution from the city of Milwaukee that contractors are still and developers are still doing the, the benefits package and we were calling that the more ordinance, right? The Milwaukee's opportunity for restoring employment. And it is that package, it is that package that you now, when people say um, that Northwestern Mutual did such a wonderful job on their RPP and their small business, they're talking about the more ordinance package. When they're talking about the arena project and that they are meeting all of their requirements, they're talking about the more ordinance package. Even with the Modern, which was actually approved prior to when this ordinance was approved, it was because of the, the, the fight of the council members, all of whom are sitting in here in this room today, making sure that those developers had, that, had those requirements on that project, despite not having a requirement attached to the project. 
And now what you see, what you see with the 610 building downtown, um, and a lot of other projects that are happening throughout the city, that without even the requirement from the city that these developers understand that it is important for the future development of the city that you include the residents of the city of Milwaukee and small businesses that hire those people. So I feel like that's a major requirement because it's a shift in the paradigm that we don't have to force people to do things. They understand what their responsibility is in doing city uh, and doing city of Milwaukee projects. And then I'll add one more thing, just because I'm an, I'm an educator by background. And typically the city of Milwaukee, we're not uh, directly involved in educating children in the city. But this is something that we understand um, as representatives of the city. That in order to continue to attract people and keep families here, we have to have a strong educational system that people believe in. And one of the things that we that I've been pushing the council to do and for the city to be more involved in um, is a direct relationship with MPS and trying to tackle some of the challenges that they are facing um, with the students that are in their classrooms. Why? Because those kids don't drop out of the sky and fall into a school. They come from neighborhoods that have families <coughs> that send them to school. And we have President Sane in the back um, he's been a wonderful partner in implementing a program that's been in MPS for about eight years now. It's called Be the Change. And what we did was we identified students who had a problem with attendance, academic performance, or disciplinary actions in class. And we re reached out into the community, got partners together to say we are going to formulate a, a, a support group around these young men to help them academically and provide a culturally enriched environment for them in the summertime so that they can see the impact of getting a quality education when they may not have gotten that either in their communities or in their families. And that's been going for eight years. We've serviced over 200 students and and now it's kind of institutionally a part of, uh, of what's happening with MPS. We're trying to grow, um, grow that effort with being able to provide every student, every student that's in need of either a mentor or support program, uh, the, the partnership of the city and making sure that they have that. And, and the last thing that I'll, that I'll have, is because we got Commissioner Gorban here, um, was in 2009 we actually uh, pushed for what we what we are calling uh, the transitional jobs program um, and identified almost 350 jobs throughout the city um, that would allow for unemployed and underemployed uh, people within the city to have a transitional job doing work for the city of Milwaukee in different uh, in different departments in the city, and it was uh, Gassan uh, that really identified the vast majority of those jobs in DPW uh, in order to um, uh, put those folks to work. And when we were able to do that, uh, a lot of council members didn't want to let go of those jobs, and so we created a transitional jobs program at the city of Milwaukee. Uh, we called it uh, Compete Milwaukee, and it's still going today and we're providing a tremendous amount of opportunity for a lot of folks in some of our most challenged neighborhoods, uh, giving them quality work experience, uh, including in the police department. Since he did it, can I just mention something from my resume? Yes. <laughs> uh, before I was an alderman, I was a community organizer for Walnut Area Improvement Council, which evolved into Walnut Way and Citizens for Progress. And it was my experience as a community organizer that got me interested in economic and community development. And out of that was born projects that I'm sure that you're familiar with now, Halyard Park, Richardson uh, Subdivision, and where I live right now, Lindsay Heights. Thank you.
to the next question. Uh, and if you don't mind, President Hines, I'm going to start with you and go straight down the line. Uh, what personal characteristic did you bring to the office of the Common Council, Common Council presidency that you believe made you successful? President Hines. Yeah, um, I would say a critical thinker, an internal optimist that's also a realist, um, a believer, um, a problem solver, and a team player as well as a leader. And I'm so fortunate and thankful that my members of the council gave me the opportunity to represent them three times unanimously. And so I, I don't take that lightly. I appreciate them because they're great leaders. Um, but also, what I recognized was that um, in order to move the city forward, uh, my philosophy was centered around they win, the council wins, I win as the president, we win as a city. Because the city is no successful, it's only as great as it abilities for each of those aldermen and those districts to excel. So while they're excelling and helping that alderman move projects and activities and legislation in his district, it also is a true benefit to our city as a whole. And so again, my philosophy, we win, you win, I win, we all win. And when we're, we are always stronger when we're working together. And so I was determined to ensure that the city council would not be the impediment to growth. And so despite whether or not I agree with the city attorney, the comptroller, the treasurer office, the mayor, the department heads, may not have agreed with them and didn't always agree with my members. But at the end of the day, we was going to move this city forward and we were going to move the ball. And so that's the type of leadership that I brought to the council. And I'm thankful and I'm, I know without a doubt that as a result, um, the city is better off, but it is thankful to the partnership that I was able to establish with the great leaders on that council, coupled with a variety of other entities as well. Um, I would say, you know, just, just to kind of name a couple, um, you know, I, I think in order to be a, a, a good leader, you have to be willing to serve. And um, I tried to get an understanding of what was important to the members of, of, of my council and try to help them achieve what's important for them to be in service to them uh, so that whatever their constituents and uh, their stakeholders were looking for, that we created a support group that would support what they were advocating for in their district. Um, I brought a sense of shared vision, that there is a responsibility that we all share for certain things in order to move the city forward. And if you can't buy in to the shared vision, then you're probably operating outside of what's important for the council and for the city. And we pretty much changed the conversation as, as, you know, we used to have a conversation every budget cycle about what was important, whether or not we should be investing in preventative violence and, and, and social development of our community, or whether we should be investing in police officers and public safety. It was like, the annual argument, right? And one of the things that we, in, in, in order to be able to, to even measure the same things, to say whether or not you're, you're moving forward or whether you're moving backwards, because I know there's a bunch of people out there that would say we're, we're moving in the wrong direction as opposed to the right one. You, you have to know what you're measuring in order to measure whether or not you're moving uh, in the right direction. And so I think where we are now, we're at least talking about the same things when it comes to whether or not we're achieving what we say we're trying to achieve. And I think we've been able to do that with this council. Um, and then I think the, the, the last thing that's probably special um, that may be a little bit different is, uh, and this is what I've been told, um, that I bring a sense of humility to this office. And just so everybody knows, it's a humility that is bent in walking softly, um, but I don't mind using the big stick. All right.
to say it, Mr. President. Um, I think I'm a good decision maker. Uh, I bring uh, perseverance and not giving up uh, to anything that I do. Uh, example of a good decision maker, good decision making is that I, I have a spouse for 46 years, 42 years. <laughs> Giving up would encompass in 1984. I ran for Alderman, I lost. Roy Davis, who was the incumbent, who did take me, wasn't going to run. But that's, a, that's a whole nother story. But so I ran against the incumbent, I lost. Uh, we lived elsewhere. I remember we, we paid two house notes because we lived kind of far out. We moved back to into the city where we live now. And after I lost, uh, at that time, you had to take a leave of absence from the city government if you ran for office. And I was a property appraiser at the time. I worked 12 years as a, in the assessor's office as a property appraiser. So I had to take a leave of absence. I lost, and when, you know, after I lost, I uh, was kind of depressed. And uh, I think I had a spouse who was maybe a little irritated at me. And so the, so the next time I ran, and 80, 80, after the neighbors resigned, I'm running 86, 87. And people would say, Marvin, what, what do you do? I said, well, I said, I wake up every morning, I put on a shirt and tie, and I try to take my kids to school, or at 8 o'clock, I act like I'm going to a job. Now, I, I was going to leave absence in, right? I, because I said, you know, black women don't want you laying in bed real, <laughs> real late. So I got to act like I'm going to work somewhere. <laughs> And actually, I would go campaign, and that's what I would do. So I campaigned hard. The other thing that I'm reminded of and not giving up, at the time I ran the second time, I ran against, and I'm going to mention her name, her name is Mama Patillo, wonderful woman, probably at the time was better suited or, or was a better candidate than I was, okay? I don't know if she would have made a better older person, but she was a better candidate at that time. And, and what I remember about that, Eight sitting members of the Common Council had a press conference and endorsed her. And that hasn't happened since then. And I remember it, I remember it was so depressing uh, to me, to me, that uh, eight sitting members of the Common Council endorsed her. But and, it, and the paper said uh, uh, all the papers had two papers in Journal Central. They endorsed it. The African American papers, both of them endorsed it. Said nice things about me, all right? Um, but they, they endorsed it. So, uh, so I don't give up. I'm not deterred easily. Um, and so uh, just persevere. And if you think you can make a difference, and I think I can, and I think I did, uh, then you don't give up. So I have, I have perseverance is one of the key characteristics, characteristics that I have that has stood, stood me well as I was in public office. Now, you know how difficult it was for me, so I have to have the attributes of all the three of them. Plus, plus some of my, uh, Marvin, I remember those times. Uh, in fact, someone asked me, uh, who are you supporting for Alderman in the first? And I said, well, you can be sure the initials are MP. And MP, 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 I was right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I also had to know how to negotiate 
disputes and arguments. So again, uh, those are the interviews I remember having that enabled me to become council president. And I think that the main reason I was able to become council president was because everybody recognized that I was a problem solver and that I was fair. That, that was what enabled me to be council president. Good. Uh, there was some scheming and planning that went along with it also, but <laughs> you're, not, you're not interested in that. <laughs> Move on to the next question here, and I'm actually going to skip Lowy Hag because I think we, we pretty much covered the implementation part. Uh, but I do want to start with you all served during different times and decades. You guys are representing five decades on this panel for the city of Milwaukee. Um, what was the, one of the, you believe one of the biggest challenges facing the time you were serving, and did you how did you? To deal with that challenge, what solutions did you believe you provided to help deal with that challenge? And Ben, I want to start with you if that's okay. Yeah, well, the big problem that uh, Alderman Baumann already referred to was disinvestment, not only in my district, but in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, industry was moving out, the gentry was moving out. Now we're concerned about regentrification, but at that time, it was the loss of gentry. Uh, the, the citizens who had lived in the community prior to that was moving to the suburbs or moving to other states. So the biggest problem was uh, disinvestment in the city of Milwaukee. And uh, there was uh, racism, there was poverty, and just the dying of the city. All cities go through these transitions of birth, growth, death, and then rebirth. <coughs> So when I was in office, it was during the time that uh, Milwaukee was digressing and losing its resources. Those were the problems. Well, uh, jobs were the key issue as they, as they are now. Because uh, a lot of people thought that those jobs that left American Motors and A.O. Smith and uh, Alan Bradley, wherever they were, they thought maybe they would come back. They still, still held out hope that those jobs were coming back. Went from a manufacturing-based e economy to a more of a retail-based economy with, with, with lower pay. Whole issue about cocaine and, and folks dealing drugs and, and I'm gonna say maybe not as sophisticated as, as it is now. Uh, you know, a lot of shootings, a lot of drug dealing, a lot of gangs. Um, the whole idea of services uh, and that the African-American Af communities did not receive the same level of services maybe that other, the other communities received. And so one of my models, a person who I liked insofar as his work ethic was a guy named Bob Anderson. He was, he was all the way on the <laughs> south side. And, what they, and a lot of people kind of assigned him, oh, some craziness. <laughs> but one, one of the things that he did do, he took care of his constituents. And so that was my mantra And so far as I'm going to make sure I take care of my constituents. I was fortunate in that I was on the finance committee for all the years I was there. I was president of the council. And so being on the finance committee, you could always kind of, you know, when those department heads would come up, you could always kind of jab them a little bit or they, they or you could always take some money away from them if they weren't giving the kinds of services to your constituents that you thought they should. So I thought I was always fairly well positioned but those were some of the issues. Drinking board up houses. You know the city used to board up houses. Now they don't anymore. I think that was a well made that decision pretty that's a good decision. because uh, they were just making board up houses everywhere especially in Central City. And so just how to deal with those and how to put people in, in the house. And so we deal with some of those problems effectively, but, but you know as well as I do, for the ones you deal with, there are some more that crop up. I, I think I look at this question a little bit differently because um, any, any, any issue or problem that was um, faced prior prior to my tenure, and I'm in it. Um, we're kind of dealing with 
the fact that it wasn't dealt with properly then, right? And, and it's, you know, in many ways, the, um, you know, the, 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 the inability for us to, uh, to recognize that we have to face these challenges as a city and they have to be embraced as a challenge for the entire city. Um, it, it, it's probably the biggest one that that I am facing now, right? But for things to be presented as uh, a black male problem. And so, um, y'all need to fix that. Or a housing problem, because we are dealing with one now. Uh, we're coming out of a severe housing crisis, a recession caused by the housing bust. And, and it's only our ability to be able to tackle that problem together that's going to help us, put us in a position where we're not, where you don't have, I think you had the other council president, that's the future one that's, that's, that did some introduction, um, wouldn't be dealing with the exact same problem that, um, that President Johnson was dealing with. And so I, I think for me, um, it, is, it is kind of understanding that they were running a race, they had a baton, they passed it, he ran, he gave it to President Hans, he ran his, his race, and I'm willing to take that baton. Uh, and I'm not, I am not going to pretend as if they have not been working on this problem for decades. And I am going to recognize that I have to bring more people to the table for them to understand that it is part of their responsibility. Matter of fact, they have a moral obligation for, to help me and those that I represent and those that are on the council with me so that when we pass the baton, that they're not dealing with the exact same problems, just in a different capacity um, than the ones that we're dealing with today. We can do better. President Johnson, President Johnson referenced um, the growth, the death, and the rebirth of the city. Um, Actually, I, I participated and I gave a list of projects and I could have gone even further um, of the growth of the 15th, 17th district, um, downtown, the Canal Street, um, Mid-City, and a host of other neighborhood activities. But I also, the greatest challenge was the death of the city while I was in service as the council president. The housing crisis that President Hamilton referenced was under my watch. And, I, and it was exceptionally devastating, not only to the city of Milwaukee, but other cities throughout the entire country, whereby having forced bankruptcy for a number of institutions and or organizations. And during that particular transitional process, um, there are a number of things that were going on. Number one, um, the mayor created a, a body that would have consisted of corporate interests and a variety of other entities, community-based organizations, um, and he convened them as well. So that was an external one. With Alderman Bauman and I, uh, we created an internal body that exists even today, which is the, the Foreclosure Crisis Task Force. And many of those programs and idols and ideas and concepts have been translated to millions of tax dollars being back added to the tax roll. There's also been elimination of the board ups and many of the homes have been reconstructed. Uh, with Alderman Murphy, uh, we created the Housing Trust Fund and began to build that up and many projects even today still was the beneficiary of the Housing Trust Fund dollars. Um, and so, um, that was very, very, very difficult in the district in which I represent, whereby there was a significant number of housing development and growth opportunities. The growth that was occurring there was growing faster in the most troubled neighborhood that they see it. They see it. That, that, that's what the um, others indicated. They actually, they created the district by what they didn't want. 
I don't want that part of the district. That's a troubled area. I don't want that one. I don't want that one. I don't remember. <laughs> but nevertheless, as a kid that was born and raised there, I knew the potential that existed in that area. And I actualized it in partnership with many. And so when the death came, it hurt really, really bad. And the neighborhood was fragile as it was. And as a result, it began to face even that many more challenges. And, and now, again, those programs that I was able to put in place um, in partnership with the council members that are still there um, is really helping to sustain those neighborhoods. Um, the leadership of um, President Hamilton has allowed for additional growth to happen as well. And so um, that was the biggest crisis, the foreclosure crisis. Uh, Keith. I, I, I promise not to try to get the last word in every time. <laughs> and you're saying you, it doesn't and you can have it. <laughs> it's yours. But just to show you how uh, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Uh, the problems that Marvin alluded to about uh, vacant houses and abandonment, uh, it really got started when I was an alderman and council president. And uh, to address that matter, I introduced and helped to get past a program called Urban Homesteading. It's more popularly known as the Dollar House Program. Mm. And just recently, and I can tell you that there, there were a lot of housing units saved by virtue of the fact that we let people homestead those houses. Uh, incidentally, uh, as an adjunct to that Urban Homesteading program, I also introduced a program called Urban Shopsteading, and that would enable people to uh, occupy abandoned uh, business establishments and gain ownership by virtue of the fact that they rehabbed them and, and kept them in the, on the tax roll. What we're doing, Urban Homesteading, again, not to save some of those abandoned and disrupted houses. As of this past week, there was an article in the, in the newspaper that showed that uh, Milwaukee was going to do an urban shop study program. It's kind of poignant for me because the building that is going to be given to someone for a dollar and converted into an art gallery was a building that had previously been owned and operated by my sister, who was a mortician in the city of Milwaukee. So it's kind of poignant that a program that I uh, conceived and started uh, back in 1970-something is now being put to use. And incidentally, the reason it was not put to use before was because some of the other city's fathers decided that there would not be enough demand for that kind of a program in the city of Milwaukee because there was not uh, the loss of businesses such as the one that my sister had. You know, sometimes you can come up with an idea, but you have a bureaucracy in city government. Whoever is responsible for carrying it out will will not be supportive. So, so you know, you can come up with the idea and you can push forward, but you you can have a number of people because that's more that's more on that case level. There's more things for for them to do, and it may be a good idea, but if they aren't supportive, yeah. it's it's always done half. <laughs> As we wrap this up, I am going to go through the lightning round because we have a special presentation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and so we're going to do this really quickly. I do want to get these questions in. And so I'm going to direct one question. If you just give us a few sentences, um, we ask those who attended if they can submit questions. We have a question, and I'm going to point this if you can uh, to you, President Hamilton, about racism. This question comes from Diane De La Santos. She is the executive director of City on the Hill and join us today. Hey, Diane. If racism is a root cause of the poverty and disparities in Milwaukee, what do you think is the single most effective thing we can do about it? Do you have any insight you can share about that briefly? I know it's a deep question. <laughs> really? <laughs> couple sentences. And, and this is the one I get the sentence? Yes, I get yes, a couple yes. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is exposure. I mean, ignorance is killing us. And our acceptance of it in the circles that we live in and that we work in, we accept this dogged connection to ignorance that 
just smothering us. And so if I could, if you just want a couple sentences, um, you know, if we're not fighting on that front in every single circle that we travel in, then we're allowing for it to cultivate in a way that will one day choke us out. This is for you, uh, once again, just a couple of sentences. And this comes from one of our Nearwestside partners, Nearwestside residents, Mary Anders. Mary, I see you around here somewhere. Uh, what inspires you to mentor and lead in these new challenging times? Well, let me say that, first of all, it was given to me. So someone poured into me. Marvin was one of the ones who poured into me at City Hall. So because of the hunger, because of the thirst, because of the drive, because of the talent and the skills of the young, um, gifted individuals that are to follow us, um, it is for those reasons that, that, that I mentor. And so I mean, thank you for allowing me to be yours as well. So. <laughs> we got the same haircuts. <laughs> Uh, this question. This I question. better. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got the beard. I got the beard. <laughs> See, we work together. Yeah. Uh, this question uh, is for Mayor Pratt, and it comes from Leo Reese. Uh, what is the one thing about Milwaukee that is special in comparison of other cities, peer cities, and what should we? Uh, then should we be promoting or building upon that? Should we promote and build upon that? Whatever that special thing is. In a couple sentences, if you can. <laughs> well, you know, I can recount uh, things that I've heard other people say about Milwaukee, what makes it unique, the architecture, right? Uh, overall charm, new world glitter, new, uh, all those little sayings that great place on the Great Lake, um, I think we have an unfettered uh, lakefront. Um, I think the possibilities as far as having a population of 40%, uh, 39, 40% African American, it's just met in, in probably 15, 20, 15, 8, 20% uh, Hispanic. It's met in, in, a, in a strong Hmong population. The challenge is incorporating making sure everybody get their fair share. Put it, put it in a united way term. Mm -hmm. Making sure everyone gets their fair share and that they are inclusive. One of the things that doesn't that that does not happen here is that I think the private sector is not as open as it should be in hiring uh, women and people of color. And sometimes when you talk about for women the uh, the glass ceiling uh, so a friend of mine wrote a book where she talks about the plexiglass still. You can't break, break plexiglass, so it's real difficult. And so I think it's just a matter of, uh, Leo, I, I understand your question. Sometimes it's hard for me to get real overly optimistic about Milwaukee because it's not as inclusive as it should be. You know, we can talk about the group. That's where I'm coming from on it, but what makes it, what makes it great is the possibilities. Okay, Last question before our special presentation and before we go into the picture taking. Uh, this question is for Ben Johnson. Um, and Ben, this is for you. What makes you most optimistic about the city of Milwaukee? I'm optimistic about the city of Milwaukee because Milwaukee is what it is and it's where it is. We are a great city on a great lake and not many cities can boast of that. And we have a thriving, energetic, young community coming up behind us. And in spite of the negative things that you see and read and hear about as far as the youth of this community, uh, that's that uh, 1% that spoils it or makes it look bad for everyone else. But I've found that the young people nowadays are just as intelligent, just as enthusiastic, just as smart as any other generation. And there's also been some uh, negative talk about the lack of leadership on the part of the adults. 
Well, the adults that I see and work with every day are just as ambitious, just as dedicated, just as interested in this community as other generations. So because of the strength of the young people and the wisdom of the older people, and because we are who we are, where we are, I'm very optimistic about our future.